time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape? Then where the pod? Here's the Star Wars has just released information about the first game set in the High Republic era. It's called Star Wars Eclipse, and we're going to take a very in-depth look at the trailer that they released this past week, as well as the new teaser trailer from the book of Boba Fett, almost two weeks from release. And uh, not to mention our third subject on the menu today, all about the Bogan Collection. Did you know the Jedi have a secret art, uh, a vault of uh, Sith artifacts hidden in the Jedi Temple? Uh, I bet you didn't. And if you did, you can hear more about it right here on Star Wars Escape Pod. So let's get into it. I'm your host, Josh. We got Blake, our co-host, joining us for the ride today. Let's go. Another happy landing. Disney Plus soon. I mean, uh, a lot of people looking forward to this show. And uh, welcome back to our show, Mr. Blake. Hey, yes, an exciting time. We're only weeks away from Boba Fett hitting home screens across the planet. Home screens, yeah. Yeah. Coming to home video. That's right. <laughs> Skipping the theater straight to your home on, well, maybe, probably not Blu-ray DVD, but Disney Plus. For only twelve dollars a month. You remember? You remember the age and era? Well, I guess they still kind of do it here and there, but the era of uh, of home video, straight to home video releases. You know, like those you those mean, TV home videos. All the Disney sequel movies. Yeah, yeah, all the Disney sequel movies and like the Barbie movies and uh, yeah. we you got know, Lilo yeah. and Stitch like four and a half or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to direct release. <laughs> yeah. They didn't, even, they didn't even put on a trailer. They didn't want people to know. You just like stumble onto the under the, the DVD case in like HMV or Walmart. Oh yeah. It's it was it was one of those th- I I guess I don't know if they saved money doing that or what, but I mean this day and age doing all these streaming services on Disney. I mean D- Disney's killing it with all the Marvel and Disney stuff like It's true. Uh, they've I mean, had more series this year than movies, I think. 
<laughs> I think they realized. This, well, I feel like that was it's become part of the plan because I think Bob Iger realized like everything is heading towards the streaming like direction, and they didn't have any content to just like really pull people towards their platform instead of like other platforms. So he kind of just went full force into that. Right. And the Mandalorian was really, I think the one that proved to them that this was like a, the direction that they should go. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, um, you know, I would agree with that. You know, this is a, it's a weird time, the streaming wars, I guess we could call it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those, one of those, uh, one of those things like uh, like phones, right? Like it's um, some of these streaming ser- services might just maybe they'll die. I don't know. Like it, like there's no way out. that people can afford. Yeah, they'll get bought out by another company or whatever. Or maybe some like mm. a, a company like Disney comes along. They buy 20th Century Fox. They absorb all their content. This and that. You know, it's gonna all kind of merge. If you know, you got so many out there. Like yeah, Tubi. a good, a good even, example. Like, up here in Canada, at least, is that we don't have HBO Max. So if you get Crave, there's a deal with right. HBO Max that their content goes on a Crave. So it'll probably be yeah, exactly. That, I yeah. would think. Yeah, and then you know a new one will come along. Like you know, for for a while, a lot of Paramount stuff was split across Netflix and Crave and whatever else that was like kind of a third party thing. And now they've got their own. Now they've got Paramount Plus. Yeah, and, which is what uh, Disney did too, right? Same thing. Yeah, same exact deal. So it's it's kind of it's kind of nuts to think about. It's a little overwhelming, and and uh, it's 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 gonna it's gonna head back to. I mean, it's already going yeah. back to the way things were, where it's like no one can possibly like unless unless it's like your thing to to pay for all of these streaming services. There's no way anyone or most people at least would not pay for all of these things. And there might be just one show that you want to watch on another yep. platform, and then you just download it, right? Like yeah. it's just one of those things, like. Uh, that's the reality, right? Because like that's what people did with cable television. Like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm paying for like a hundred channels. Then boom, there's the one channel where it's got it's the, the one show. Yeah, you're like, can I get this one channel? Like, well, that's only a part of this package, and you got to pay an extra twenty five dollars a month. And the other four <laughs> channels are all garbage that you'll yeah, never it's watch. Ridiculous, right? So then you find a site like Couch Tuner or something. Yeah, like that mine for me was I always wanted like like what was it like GTV Tech, I think. Like that was, I can't, it's been so long, but yeah. like you got, if you got that channel that had all the video game review shows, right? So you can watch like X play and yeah, reviews yeah. on the run, you know, whatever they were all called back in the day. Right. But like I, that's the one I wanted. Cause then I know which games I wanted to buy. Yeah, but exactly. That, then you had to, I think it was paired with spike, which wasn't too bad, but then all the other channels are just useless. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, uh, it's heading back to that direction with all the, all the content available, but you know, the, the brilliant thing about Disney plus, there's so much good stuff coming out, like good original content. It's definitely at the top of the list for being like, you should subscribe to this. And Mm -hmm. for that somewhat low fee, you're actually getting your money's worth. Whereas like, yeah, something like Apple plus is like just kind of garbage. Like they've got like one or two shows, like boom, watch done like maybe you bought it for a month and that you, you don't need to even bother yeah. subscribing for for another like six months until something new comes out. Yeah. Like so. I think their deal is if you buy an Apple product, then you like get it for a year. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It'll just yeah. To try and hook people in. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it is, I, it is much cheaper. Mind you, it's like $5 or something compared to yeah. like most of the other competitors, which is like 12 or 15 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, the interesting uh, one to me is, is 
Amazon Prime because you get all yeah. these shows, but most people are only paying for it for free shipping because then they save money yeah. anyway. So yeah. you guys just like get free television along with free shipping, which That's is what true. You're really they got some good for. stuff on there. They got some really good stuff on there. Um, just just Top Gear. That's all I really watch. <laughs> <laughs> they got uh, they got the Wheel of Time happening right now. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, they've they've got a bunch of stuff. Next year they'll have the Lord of the Rings. They're, well, I shouldn't call it that. I should call it the Middle Earth Show. Whatever it's good. Whatever they're gonna call it. Uh, the second age show. <laughs> no one will know what it is if they call it that. Yeah, is that when it not. takes place in the second yeah. age? Yeah, that's when it's taking place. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the age before the movies. Yeah, it's like thousands of years before the films yeah. take place. Yeah. So, but it's, same, okay. it's set in the same continuity, which is cool. So, you know, anyway, any Lord of the Rings fans well, out there are going to be very happy. Well, it always starts out like that. And then what really happens is they just destroy all of the lore <laughs> and then yeah. they make the movies feel worthless. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I've been, I've been busy watching Hawkeye on Disney plus and it's been good. It's been uh, getting my money's worth. And then, uh, you know, book of Boba comes out in two weeks when Hawkeye wraps up, it's like one show ends, the next begins. Mm-hmm. You're always just getting something out of it. So, uh, I- I'm stoked. Is, doesn't that one lead up to Christmas? Uh, uh Hawkeye. Yeah, I think I heard yeah. it was like a, almost like a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's a Christmas season yeah, inspired okay. show. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty neat. It's it's worth keeping up with those Marvel shows. You know, they're all gonna hook right into this new phase of films coming out. So uh, it's 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 good. It's a good deal. But because who they're leading up to now, like Galactic or something? A Galactus from yeah, I, I think Fantastic Four is around the corner eventually. But I I don't even know. Like they're they're going with the whole multiverse thing and. Uh, you know, Loki did a bunch of stuff to introduce us to a a big villain that's going to pop up later down the road and all that. So, you know, it, right. it's hard okay. to say. They're going kind of nuts with all the different stuff that they can do now. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in two weeks when we get Boba Fett, I mean, actually, we well, we just heard that sizzle reel. And, you know, if anyone hasn't seen The Return for the book of Boba Fett, uh, it's got some new clips in there, some new footage. And um, did you notice I- anything? Boba Fett. Boba Fett. <laughs> you notice anything new about that? Um, about that teaser trailer? Uh, something that I kind of missed the first time through, but you pointed out was him putting on the armor was actually pretty sweet. We've never seen that done before. And like that was pretty cool. Yeah, the the, uh, the fabric underneath for the like the, the like the torso piece is actually surprisingly loose. Like maybe it's just like a leather jacket almost. I yeah. always thought that'd be stiffer, and then. The, the wrist thing you saw like snaps on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the wrist gauntlets just kind of mechanically clamp into place instead of, I guess, I, I don't know what, how I thought that they attached to his wrist this entire time. Maybe just Velcro or maybe it hinges open and hinges closed like a clamp or something. But yeah. to see it have like automatic buckles, it's like it kind of modernizes the yeah. suit that's been around for so long already. Like it modernizes sense. it a bit. Yeah. Yeah, because like medieval of- armor, it it worked the same way, but it was like leather straps or like ties, right? You'd have to tie it by hand. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, now it's, well, it's a long time ago, but it's still kind of the future. So it's like everything's uh, automated. I got this trailer open right now on my screen. I'm just clicking through it. And, you know, it starts off with Boba in his Tusken Raider kind of suit with his robes and his gaffy st- or get a- gridaffy stick or whatever you want to call it. Uh, looking over at Jabba's palace, and uh, I guess are those the main doors, or is that the 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 the, the doors to the uh, like the, the the garage? <laughs> That's a good question because didn't we find out that 
no, where was it? Where did where did Hondo stash the slave one? Because didn't we like have to break in somewhere in Tatooine to get it? Oh, uh, Hondo Hondo owned it on Florum, but Boba Fett okay. uh, got possession of it again. You know, towards towards the end of the Clone Wars, obviously, because okay. he has it in Empire Strikes Back. So There's different places then. So yeah, I'm, I'm this I'm assuming that. is is kind of after he gets out of the Sarlacc pit, gets saved by Tusken Raiders, and he's kind of gone back for a ship. Maybe this is after he meets Fennec Shand in the desert or something, and he's going back mm-hmm. for Slave One for the first time in years. Right. Uh, so it could be something like that, but that's just my theory. It's a bit of a suspicious clip, him sneaking up on Jabba's palace like that. It's and- strange, though. Why would he then sneak in, steal the Slave One, leave, come back, and then kill Bib Fortuna? <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of wondering that too. But of course, they, they I don't know who it was, but they made a public statement. This show is going to fill in a lot of gaps, like a lot of holes, which is really good because there's a fair few of them at this point. Yeah. So that I find a very interesting clip. And you know, timeline wise, I feel like that's before his appearance in Mando when he goes to get his armor. You know, it's where he's got the robe on with the mm-hmm. stick on his back and the cycler rifle. So, and then it goes into the next se- sequence where he's in a Bacta tank. And I assume that this is like the present Later. time when the mm-hmm. show takes place because it looks like the scars on his skin are significantly reduced than they were in Mandalorian season two. That's what um, I was wondering too, because it does seem reduced. And so I guess we did, I, I was unaware of this, but I guess Bacta also heals scar tissue, not just current wounds. Because I thought it was just yeah. fresh wounds. Yeah, it. I think it. It also heals. Um, it would kind of make sense because we see Vader using a Bacta mm-hmm. tank in in Rogue One, and that's like twenty years at almost twenty years after. That's nineteen years after his instant on Mustafar, right? So okay, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it just also brings some pain relief but, as well. It's like Tylenol for your skin. Vader's. I feel like his scars didn't heal back as well as Boba's did. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Although maybe Boba's just wasn't as bad to begin with, but uh, Could be that. it's kind of a neat little thing because when he, so it goes into the shot where he's suiting up, where we're just talking about the, the vest opening up and the gauntlets and all that. And when he puts on the helmet, his face looks unscathed almost like he's got some scars, but like not nearly like the big patches that he had in season two of Mandalorian. That's true. It's, it's significantly almost, gone. Yeah, I kind of like that. I like the scars. I like the uh, seeing that Boba went through like the Sarlacc and like this leaves this, mm-hmm. this lasting imprint on him. Yeah, the cynical side of me says, "Oh, they just didn't want to do the makeup all the time because <laughs> it takes too long." <laughs> right. Yeah, that's fair. And maybe yeah. we don't know even if uh, Tamara Morrison himself asked if they could reduce it so he doesn't have to sit there for four hours a day to do it. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I mean, like, Bacta is a good solution. Like, I don't know if they've ever confirmed, like, how how good Bacta can get as far mm-hmm. as curing scar tissue. But, you know, if that was kind of an out-of-universe reason for them to be like, oh, the makeup's going to take too long. Let's just kind of get rid of that reason. And maybe we'll do a few scars, but, like, kind of make it better so it doesn't take as many hours per day to, to put mm-hmm. on them. Um, I could totally see them just saying screw it. Let's just put him in a back to tank. He heals himself while he's in there. He's dreaming of all these flashback scenes of like how he got there in the first place. Right. So yeah, I could totally see that happening. Uh, Fair we, enough. We see Did a lot you- of footage that uh, we've seen in other teasers, but 
Sorry, what were you saying? I was going to say then it just makes me feel bad then for people like the guy who plays Vision because he's got to sit there and get all that stuff put on like every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this other shot here with all those criminals sitting around the table. There's some new footage there that we haven't seen before and there's some new angles. Uh What's interesting is there's a server droid there who's the same server droid style as the uh, the one who who's in the um, uh, I think it's in on it's on either on Jabba's sail barge or down in the uh, in the the prison area. But I recognize that droid. He's got like red eyes and he's he looks like human almost. He's got like a nose and a mouth and everything. He kind of uh, looks like the the torture droid from Jabba's Palace, but painted yeah, that's white. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think that might be what I'm thinking of. Uh, but yeah, look familiar looking, very Star Warsy looking. Yeah, droid just right junky. There. Yeah, junky. It's that yeah. classic junk droid look. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and that's at 38 seconds in the in the return teaser. Uh, the Gamorrean guards looking a lot thinner than they normally yeah, do. That's that stood out to me too. They lost a lot of weight, I guess. Uh, they haven't been feeding properly. Yeah, Big Fortuna was taking a bigger cut of food for himself. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, this is a shot that you pointed out. We have uh, like the the chopper gang, all the Nikdos flying mm-hmm. their their sporty looking speeder bikes across the desert of Tatooine, and yeah. It looks like they're all Nikdos. So I think it's an entire gang of, of Nikdos. Yeah. Which in The Mandalorian, the first season, he I think he he might fight maybe a similar gang or the same one because I believe they're mostly Nikdos as well from in the first episode. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering about that myself. Uh you mentioned the design on these speeder bikes also have like a mm-hmm. stripe pattern on it. I noticed the one behind the one at the front also kind of has that same look. Okay. So I think that design is kind of reflecting of their, maybe their, like what kind of gang. Yeah. They also all have the exact same bike. Yeah. So it looks like. Or very I, similar I, models. Like they've got I like love- two between all of them. Maybe even not even that. They look, yeah, they all look super similar. Yeah. Maybe uh, they got them uh, in bulk for a discount. <laughs> I love their clothing, though. It looks very Mad Max. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, very like biker leather style. Leather jackets. Big, yeah. Yeah, big boots and everything. Yeah. That'll yeah. be cool. I'm excited to see what they do with that scene. They also got a scene where these Niktos are wrestling around with some, uh, what looks like just some captives, like some human beings. And the shadow on the wall is is Boba with the gaffy stick on his back and he walks into the room and he's wearing this like charred chewed up white tunic thing, which looks like that's under his armor. Isn't it? It looks like it was. The, yeah. It looks like it was what he used to wear beneath his armor. Like and then it looks like, yeah, the flight suit thing. And it looks like all the armor pieces are like torn off and, you know, burn marks or something like that on it's there. All singed. And yeah. 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 So I wonder if this is maybe also a flashback scene in which kind of fills so. in a little bit more of, you know, how, how he kind of got back on his feet. Uh, I'm guessing all the scenes when he's got the, the gaffy stick are going to be flashbacks. Probably. Yeah, probably for sure. Um, 
the follow-up scene to that is kind of what looks like a speeder bike chase, but it, it looks like there's a bunch of what you called them as Star Wars Vespas. They're just Vespas. <laughs> and that, that blue one looks just exactly like a Vespa. So yeah. maybe this this scene, it's not a chase. It's just traffic in Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I got some more shots of Fennec and a red Twi'lek and some guys. I want to take a minute to point out the the pit droid. Because I think that's really awesome. Through the pit droid in it, they oh, do the, yeah. uh, the collapse, and then he drives into it and like shoots it off camera. It's a good call. Yeah, it's a good seeing the pit droid again. Yeah, we we didn't see them come back in one of the Mandalorian episodes. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The 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 mechanic lady with the yeah the, that's the right. docking bay uh, for rent had yeah, yeah she she had a few of them in the prequels. We were kind of led to believe that these droids are all over because they're probably like the cheapest mechanics you could get, right? Yep. So I'm glad to see that we're, we're starting to see them more often. Yeah, it's kind of neat to see them come back again. Um, it makes me wonder who this red Twi'lek guy is. It looks like he's kind of bowing to whoever's on the throne, which I imagine is probably Boba at this point in time. Uh, someone who represents one of the crime organizations, perhaps. And then uh, that's Boba and uh, and uh, Fennec looking down into the Rancor pit as their throne slides forward and backward like you know when the the trap door mm-hmm. kind of thing so it makes me wonder if maybe boba put a new creature down there uh on Could his be. new uh his new or rulership they, or whatever or there's just a rotting rancor corpse that's been there for 10 years <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly maybe it's just maybe it's just trapping people down there and just being like yeah you can just you can just chill down there it's can't get out we'll starve you to death yeah plug the exit that's pretty neat yeah. there's a lot of a lot of new shots in there yeah, lots of cool stuff in there, which is pretty cool. Definitely um, leaves me with some questions to see the uh, the show, like where they're going to go. I will say what they showed us felt like early shots from early in the season. I wouldn't think mm-hmm. more than the second episode in, maybe right. third at most. It, to me, it felt like it was all stuff that would be kind of building up. But we still don't have much of a lead of what the the main story is going to be driving towards. That's true. Um and, and you know, I guess this goes back to a lot of conversation we've had about speculating on how this show is going to fit in with the other shows. And uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of potential for it to kind of explain a lot more of the uh, the underworld that's going to be mixed up in kind of the later plot. On the other hand, it could just be its own independent thing that we just you know, it's a cool show about Boba Fett, and that's it, right? <laughs> so. Um, I believe the uh, the episode count for the show has been confirmed at this point, um, and I uh, I th- I think it was seven episodes. I think. Interesting. Strange that it's an odd number. Yeah, let me just uh, let me just double check this. Yeah, seven episodes. So uh, each episode, I believe, I don't know. I mean, seeing as the Mandalorian had ten. And each episode was roughly between 36 to 50 minutes. It might get, or 50 something minutes, I think it was. My guess is each of these episodes is going to be a solid hour. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not a solid hour per episode, I will be very surprised because compared to the normal 10 episode seasons that we've been getting so far from Mando, uh, you know, this is, I, th- I think, is it, has it been 10, se- 10 episodes per season? Or has it been eight? I think it's eight, actually. I'm actually not even sure. I but I know eight. the time codes have all been between 30 minutes and like 50 minutes. 
Oh, you know, what? I take it back. Yeah, it's eight episodes per season. So, so this show is one episode short of ta- making the eight episode norm that mm-hmm. we have been getting so far. So, uh, there's 16 episodes or 16 chapters, I guess we should mm-hmm. call it, in in Mandalorian, eight per season. And this is the first uh, show that they've done for Star Wars that has had seven. So we're we're one episode short. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming each episode means it'll be like a little longer, uh, probably done intentionally. So hmm. okay, interesting. That's kind of I, I would guess that the main reason is they just didn't have the story; just didn't need an extra episode, and they didn't want to make a filler for the sake of making a filler. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. Yeah. Because like you can always sneak one in, like. For example, the episode with the the spiders in season two of Mandalorian, that one always felt very fillery to me. Yeah, very. Yeah, so, it's, it's just like they could have filled it with something more. I don't know, a little more substance, I guess. But yeah, there's something that would lead into more story later. Yeah, not to diss anyone that that's their favorite episode, but you know, it's it's kind of it's true. Like in the overarching plot of season two, like the events of that episode could have been totally fast tracked. You could skip that episode, and it wouldn't really be relevant. I mean, you could argue that it did kind of uh, introduce the characters that were then going to become the Rangers of the New Republic, right? Yeah, and yeah. with uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name now, but. Who is this you're talking about? The uh, the sheriff lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Gina Carano's character. Yeah. 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 So, like, you could argue that this, that was, like, a lead-in to meet them to then affect Gina Carano's character to then like, go on. But yeah. now... The- now Rangers is canceled. Yeah, yeah, now it's kind of gone nowhere. So yeah, yeah, it was cool to see Dave in the X-wing suit and that's true and all that and and Paul and, and yeah, that was that was pretty sweet. But yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like the ep- like that you, episode was was really fillery. Like you could skip that episode and you wouldn't have missed anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Book of Boba, it's around the corner. Uh, we're, we're about two weeks away now, so we're all very excited. By the time this episode drops on the podcast, we'll be almost like, we'll be, what is it, 16 days away from the first episode premiering on Disney+. Plus. So, uh, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, now, we had some massive news drop uh, on Star Wars, just out of the blue, like like just online boom it just some random even i think when was it it was like it was like six something or seven something in the evening when this this trailer dropped that's such an odd time and uh yeah is that uh, is that west western time pst uh well uh, i would imagine so i think the the time is converted for it was december 9th so this mm-hmm. was uh this was a couple days now on the thursday and uh yeah i think it was it was sometime Sometime in the evening, I'm pretty sure, or just kind of like mid afternoon, like four thirty or something. It was some weird, mm-hmm. weird time for it to drop. But uh, they dropped a new cinematic game trailer uh, for a game that's yeah called Star Wars Eclipse. And uh, I don't know if you want to bring up the trailer on your end, but uh, we're just going to take a listen on the show and uh, let's just talk about it in just a minute.
Well, the first thing I gotta say about that trailer is probably one of the coolest cinematics that I've seen in a long time. I mean, I, I still rewatch those old uh, those the old, old Republic. Republic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and ironically enough, they've re-released all of them in 4K, which is insane because I've got this 4K projector at my place, and you know, putting them up on the big wall in 130 or 150 inches is it's like it's so crisp and uh, it's fantastic. Like seeing those again, so yeah, seeing seeing uh, seeing this was just like it's very. I was getting massive Dune vibes from Dune, that trailer. Okay. Dune, yeah. Like, yeah. like especially at the very end with that guy coming out of the black goo. And we'll, we'll get into that in just a sec. But your initial reaction to this trailer, like, what'd you think? Like, right away? Like, uh, it's interesting because at first I, I was like, is this Star Wars? You start to see some of the characters a bit. You're like, okay. And I, I didn't realize it was Old Republic because when, when we saw the Trade Federation donut ships, I thought this was going to be a prequel era game. Right. And then we saw, or like just before the prequel movies, right? Like very close to that. Yeah. And then they showed like the Voldemort people. So I was like, oh. Who are they? <laughs> yeah. When they yeah. get all those Voldemorts. <laughs> I so, think it, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I, was say, I, th I think it could be really cool, but... I will say after talking to Bryce, we could get into what he said. My excitement did dip a bit. Uh, that's just because yeah. the style of game that uh, it's expected to be. Because at first, I thought it looked like it'd be an MMO. Because they were mm -hmm. showing all these different characters and stuff. Especially the droid. The way they introduced the droid to me felt like this was like an like introduction to an MMO style game. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, it definitely feels that way when you watch the trailer. It's a very vast environment and, mm -hmm. you know, all these characters and everything like that. And uh, by the way, the official website for this game is up. It's uh, www.starwarseclipse.com. And uh, there is a promotional, uh, promotional fan kit at, on that webpage where you can download uh, social media banners and avatars and desktop wallpapers and phone wallpapers and all that, which is kind of neat. So they're really pushing hard at promoting this this game. Uh, but uh, some of these some of these shots in the trailer are just so nice looking. Like they've got a really really cool. Uh, I don't know, just a really beautiful looking cinematic going on. I'm sure the game's going to look nothing like that, but. Um, you know, if it's anything mm -hmm. close to that, like if they're aiming for something of that caliber, that's going to be cool because uh, what Bryce did show us when we were talking about this game. And by the way, this is from an award winning independent studio called Quantic Dream and in partnership with Lucasfilm Games. And it's classified as an action adventure, multiple character branching narrative game, which is set in the High Republic era uh, of Star Wars, which has been the recent branch of stories that they've been telling us over the last year now between books and comics and audiobooks and uh and also a vr game called tales from galaxy's edge has had a which i've been playing has had a set of uh short story adventures on the side that kind of take you back to the high republic era and you uh, experience a, a game set in the shoes of a character in that time period which is pretty neat so this will be kind of the third slash uh, maybe the second time that we see a high republic era set video game like on screen but this one's going to be more widely accessible because i know not everyone does vr but uh very much more of a cinematic vibe because there are other games from quantic dream they released five between 1999 and 2018 
called The Nomad Soul, Fahrenheit, Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human. Uh, available on a wide array of consoles between PlayStation, Xbox, PC. Even they have one that's been released on mobile, like on iOS and Android. So uh, lots of stuff there. And and yeah, the gameplay is very interesting. It's like, how would you describe it? Just like kind of like Telltale games, like where you can hit a button when it tells yeah. you to, it's like a timed thing. Yeah, I could see. Yeah. Or almost like, uh, like, DDR, Dance Dance Revolution, except instead of using like footsteps or whatever, it's about like it's about yeah. matching this, like the pattern. Yeah, there was one fight scene. So in the fight scene that he, that is from one of the games, you play as a guy who the fight is very cinematic. Like it's just it's a cutscene that's interactive in a way. Yeah. And every action that you do, sometimes it gives you two options, and you have to be like super like super quick about it. You have to hit either X or zero or circle or, or, you know, or a or B or whatever, whatever controller, you know, you're using, Mm -hmm. uh, you get the option of, of like two things. You can either like, boom, kill this guy or knock that guy out. And, and whatever you do is going to affect the next thing that happens in the fight. And so, you know, you can just go, you could go through the whole thing and just button mash and not know what you press and like, it'll come to some conclusion. But I think the whole idea of this game is it is kind of like, rpg a little bit but yeah it's more like a movie kind of experience where you're Mm -hmm. not exactly free controlling a character it's just very cinematic where you play as a character and maybe they're gonna set it up like there's chapters or episodes to go through and you just kind of go through it that way so i was very surprised to see that that's gonna be the gameplay because to me that's there's parts of the force unleashed games that are like that and those are always the parts of the Force Unleashed games that I didn't like. So it's just an yeah. entire game that is the gameplay that I disliked in other games. <laughs> so. Right, yeah. And and I think that goes without saying that that this game is 100% supposed to be story-driven. So mm-hmm. like the style of gameplay is supposed to... It's very, it reminds me a lot of the Telltale games where it was basically the same thing. And uh, you could choose like your response to some things and whatever else, but I'm assuming that they're trying to make this one like a lot more vast. And uh, the fact that it's set when it's set gives them a lot of freedom to kind of do some stuff. But the fact that it is the High Republic, which is for anyone who doesn't know, set roughly about 200 years before the Phantom Menace takes place. Uh, outer the outer rim is still being explored. Hyperspace lanes are still being developed or prospected or whatever, and um, you know that's kind of how it's how it, the era that it's that's set that's it's set in uh, being a, a game that's released in this new canon era though makes you wonder like if the, if it gives you multiple decisions to make what's the canon story like if you True. have uh, if you if it's so story driven what's the actual events that take place well it might also not change the important like the important story points because i know if, if it's similar to the, the the video of the other game by the studio we watched the options were were like you can block a guy or you can shoot him so it's, it's yeah. kind of like in the end you're going to get to the same point but you just get there by two different ways right yeah yeah i guess yeah that could be yeah and and you know and putting it that way it sounds kind of boring but uh i mean i'm sure i'm sure they'll throw in some more kind of big decisions like 
killing a main character or not killing a main character could completely change the course of the game. Maybe. I, I don't know. Like that's, that's the thing. Like how vast this can be is completely. We don't completely, know. Honestly. We don't know. Yeah. We, we have, have no, no idea. idea. Is yeah. it a pick your own adventure within like a certain set of rails or is it just hit the buttons to see the next cutscene? <laughs> Which right. I'm, I personally think it's the latter, but we'll see. If it is true, if, if that, if it is the latter, I really hope that they nail the graphics on this because if yeah. I'm going to be clicking buttons to get through a game that's just story driven, that story and that cinematic should be very, very good for me to stay interested in this game. Because, yeah, I agree entirely. You know, and, and so, you know, running a running this podcast, I'm going to do it anyways. But like, <laughs> you know, I just like I, I just like I don't know about you, but. I would like to enjoy that experience. So I, you know, I don't want to have to see like, Oh yeah, I have to get through this. I have yeah. to get through that. Um, well, I would say silver lining, even if it's bad is it's going to be cool to see visually actually see what it's now like at this point in the galaxy. Cause yeah. we've really only got books up to this point that in yes. the one VR game, like you said, so there hasn't been a lot of exploration visually of what's going on. Yeah. And, and we only get real fragments of, of, Spot, spots throughout the galaxy at this point in time in this trailer and uh aside from the vr game this is really the the most true to life depiction of star wars set during this era that we've ever seen because the only visual things that we've seen before in this era taking place aside from vr which is the graphics are a lot more dumbed down obviously than than this uh the only other depiction is in a comic book and mm -hmm. in just our heads when we read yeah, a novel that's right Right. So my first recommendation to anyone who wants to explore the High Republic era, just pick up the Light of the Jedi book, the novel, and just just read it. Because that's a great way to kind of launch into this era, get the idea for what's going on. But the biggest question I have about this trailer is we don't see the Nihil at all, which so far yeah. over the last year, all the stories that have taken place in the High Republic era, the Nihil are, have been the main antagonists of the story which the jedi have been fighting and all that and this those voldemort looking creature alien things are not nihil they're there's no. something completely different something mm -hmm. new that we've never seen before so it begs the question when in the high republic does this take place is it closer to I the phantom menace or is so. it before the light of the jedi when kind of those main stories kick off you know yeah like, I'm basing this just on the fact of we see the, the trade federation ships and it seems like everything, like the, the style of, of like the, uh, the ships, the builds and everything, it all looks like we saw in Phantom Menace. So I think yeah. it's quite close to that point as opposed to the novels we've had, which right. were, as, as you mentioned, over 200 years prior. Yeah, that big Lucre Hulk Trade Federation ship shows up at one point, and you got a very Phantom I, yeah. Menace vibe about about mm -hmm. that scene when this with the big yeah. space battle and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. And I doubt that uh, a a business, I guess, because they're not really a a planet, so like a business of the Trade Federation where they're pushing for war are going to go to war against the Republic with ships that are two hundred years old. Yeah. <laughs> Seems very unlikely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. And um we do know that the High Republic era goes until about 50 years before the Phantom Menace because that's when that uh I think we talked about this briefly at one point a while ago. There's a a manga Chinese web novel that's been published chapter by chapter called The Light of Silver Dawn, I believe it was. 
And uh, that story takes Why do place. All Star Wars titles sound the same. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's oh sorry, the vow of Silver Dawn. Um so it's a canon Chinese web novel written under uh by an author under the pseudonym of His Majesty the King. Uh and uh, it's in collaboration between China Literature and Lucasfilm Limited. And uh it was announced in 2019 and it's been the final chapters were actually recently published. September 21st, 2021. So you can finally read the whole novel. If you understand Mandarin, you can do it. I know there's people on Reddit and other people out there that have been translating these because officially it's not translated yet. <laughs> I'm sure at some point it might be, but uh, as, so far they've been targeting Star Wars at the Chinese audience and this has been their sole and one and only thing that's that's worked so far. So, uh, Or at least that they've done. But what's interesting about it is it does take place in the High Republic. And it's only about 50 years or so before The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. We also know that the Disney Plus show, The Acolyte, will also take place around that same time. So The High Republic is like 200 to 50 years before the, the films. And this game, seeing as there's no Nihil in it, and you're saying that you don't think it's before The Light of the Jedi, all we can say is it's probably about 50 to 100 years before The Phantom Menace which would make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's honestly what I think it's going to be. Yeah. You know, something that we didn't really put any attention to and I haven't talked to you about is if you go to the time code, one minute, 35 seconds, okay. we see what looks to be an army uh, marching towards something. We don't know what it is, but there's all these soldiers and tanks and stuff. And these yep. looking at the race, it's not the same race as the people playing the drums because these guys have noses. Oh, it's so, not the same race. No, you can see these guys have a nose and then the guys with the drums have no nose. So unless it's a, a race with like different physical characteristics, this these might be two different armies. Right. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. And the, these guys have like a, a a logo on their chest. Yeah, they look like they're from Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of do actually. Uh, yeah, you're right. They do have a different and they have different eyes as well. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, yeah, their eyes are different. Uh, yeah, that's I don't interesting. Think the same. That's interesting. They they could be different completely. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, they could be just from the same planet, maybe just a different subspecies or something. Yeah. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, it could be that. Like because I know Northern a lot Rings. of uh, yeah, and a lot of uh, Zabriks look different as well. Like you got red and yellow ones, and some of them have weird horns some of them don't right like like you got a whole variety of of stuff like that twi'leks yeah. you got everything from twi'leks with four leku to like two <laughs> so uh yeah yeah you, you don't uh, who knows but uh what i do find interesting as well is at uh, time code um, one or two minutes almost exactly the big star battle that's going on uh the lucre hulks from the trade federation uh, you can see a little bit below them, they do have landing ships, like the the ones that we see in the Phantom Menace that land, the invasion ships that land on Naboo, uh, mm -hmm. those brown ones. Yeah, they've got two of them flying in the background there, as well as uh, facing off against a fleet of these oh, new yeah. ships that we've never seen before, which look like they could belong to that army that we saw like just yeah, now. That's my guess. Yeah, so whatever's going on, the Trade Federation is warring against another faction entirely new to us that we've never seen before. 
And if this faction isn't the same as these drummer guys who are drumming for this guy coming out of the black glue, very, very similar to Dune, it's just like, it's, it's almost like they took that right out of that movie. But um, it, it, like the, uh, uh, I think they even have that in the trailer as well for, for Dune. But uh, it makes me wonder who this guy is, first off. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he's a Sith because... And that's the one thing to remember about anything in the High Republic is the Sith will not ever make a public appearance to the Jedi unless that Jedi is going to die and not be able to tell anyone else about it. Because the first time the Jedi encounter the Sith again in a millennia is in the Phantom Menace. That's Darth Maul versus Qui-Gon on Tatooine for the first time. They go back to the Jedi Council and say, hey, look, I think this was a Sith Lord. And they're like... Oh shoot! Like what the heck? That can't mm-hmm. be right. Yeah. So they, they don't believe him because it's been a millennia. Yeah, yeah they don't they believe him extinct. at all. Extinct. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so there's no way that the Sith are involved in this plotline at all. Um, whatever it is, as we know, it's the High Republic era. Outer Outer Rim is still being explored a lot. So it, it's a possibility that the Trade Federation is kind of taking advantage of some of that and and maybe trying to claim worlds or maybe uh, resources on a planet that that has newly been discovered and could be warring against uh, entirely new factions on new planets that we've never met before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some terrible consequence could come out of that stuff. That is true. So that's interesting to think of as well. Uh, what do you I'm think of the at- Jedi, the Jedi scenes? We get a lot of Jedi scenes. At the, at the beginning we do, yeah. Like the, yeah, we get duel. we get some yeah. yeah some some Jedi sparring with each other. Um, and we get two Jedi facing off on a snowy planet against an army of who knows what. <laughs> I think the duel is a a false positive, as in I think it's a master and apprentice training. I don't think that's oh uh, yeah two no, Jedi that's, actually fighting. Yeah, I think they're just practicing too. Um, uh, there's something very similar about this temple to a temple that did show up in the VR experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a very similar design. It might not be the exact same temple, but it just kind of reminded me of that a lot. And uh, maybe worth noting that this could actually have some ties to Tales from a Galaxy's Edge VR. So that's kind of cool to think about. That's uh, totally possible. But uh, what what I like about the High Republic, and I, you know, I know you found this as well during the comic books, especially because you get the visual depiction. But uh, as we know from the book as well, all these Jedi have such different colored lightsabers and hilts and tunics and everything. Like they're much more relaxed. I don't know. Yeah. Relaxed might be one of them. I guess they're, they're less grayscale, you know, like they're, they're less, uh, boring. (laughs) I I, I don't know. I, I mean, when you watch the prequels, like it has this monochromatic feel about the Jedi order, right? It's boring. It's, yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's like going to church, right? Like, say, yeah, 10, 15 years ago, you had to put on your best, like nicest clothes, or or going to like uh, the airport. If you're right. on a flight, you would expect it to dress up. Well, now people go in like pajamas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm looking for the word dogmatic. It's mm-hmm. very, it's very like monochromatic and. You know, the way how Palpatine puts it is the dogmatic view of the Jedi. So they all have this like unified perspective of how things are and everything. And and uh, I don't know, I guess in the higher yeah. 
in the high republic everyone's got like a very different they've established so far that that some jedi even have relationships that they're not like personally attached to but they're still like in physically intimate physically intimate with these people yeah which is the first i've ever heard in star wars of being a thing but but apparently in the high republic they're they're doing that <laughs> stuff so well, apparently uh, dooku's first apprentice also was like that yeah yeah so uh it, it, it's interesting right because because yeah in the trailer alone we've got like a yellow lightsaber a blue lightsaber a green lightsaber a, a yeah you know, like, there's a lot more colors i don't know how they explain that especially we know that crystals are no longer something you find but in relation to the jedi so it's like i mean and several classes or types of jedi just stopped existing like i don't know yeah because yeah, purple, uh, purple, purple too is now way more common whereas yeah. originally like there was a, a whole story behind why mace windu had the purple lightsaber that's because he it, he had both a red and a blue crystal in his saber yeah i think yeah that and that's an eu thing which i guess they scrapped and you know now it's like well anyone can have a purple lightsaber but yeah uh, in Jedi Fallen Order, I think that was the first game that really canonized all these other colors. And then when the Rise of Skywalker came out, they kind of forced the yellow in our face and went, look, this is a live action depiction of a yellow lightsaber that we've only ever seen in Clone Wars and mm-hmm. in Star Wars Rebels and stuff. So, um, you know, the High Republic is really kind of modernizing that that lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a thing and all these Jedi wear very different outfits and costumes and everything. And uh, I mean, a couple of years ago, you had a really—you uh, still have it—but uh, you have a really good Jedi costume, like an, a Jedi adventure costume. Yeah, you know, it was stylized and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, it was stylized after the Force Unleashed Jedi. Uh, I think it was Jedi Explorer robes. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and this is it's super cool because it looks really fantasy, but also yeah. really yeah. Star Warsy, right? It has this cool, like, because it looks like it's like it's almost like an Assassin's Creed version of a Jedi robe. That's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so that kind of style has been. There's so many different styles with all these Jedi in the High Republic, and that that's what I think is so cool about the Jedi during this time period is like it's all very diverse, and and so it's very it comes across very clearly in this trailer when we actually see it on a. Um, a live action kind of more realistic depiction, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's almost like, I feel like what they're trying to sh- say here is like the Jedi have become so like political and narrow minded to like see where they were before. Cause it's supposed to be like, like I said, this is the Jedi at like the height mm-hmm. of, like, or at their prime. And then when we meet them in the prequel movies, they've really lost their way and they become too political yeah. and narrow-minded. And so I think this, this, that's like a visual representation of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and just how, just how Anakin's tunic being black is a representation of him having like a bit of a darker edge. Um, <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's Peter Parker did that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, no, there's no better reference than Spider-Man three. That's right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's that's but that's exactly it, right? Like you watch a movie or any kind of 
any kind of visual artistic storytelling is going to have the visual narrative to go along with the story. And um, Anakin's tunic is black, turns into Darth Vader. He's the only Jedi that has a black tunic. Uh, Should have been a red flag. Yeah, it shows his rebellious side and all that. Should have been a red flag, but whatever. And uh, and then, yeah, I, I guess it's 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 all about the visual story narrative right mm-hmm. uh, when it yeah, comes to some sure. of this stuff especially in a video game so um we can't really uh of course move on topics without mentioning yoda who shows up very prominently mm-hmm. for a couple seconds in the, in the jedi yeah in the temple looking over coruscant which hasn't changed uh you know yoda yoda's around in this time like he's younger by however many years this is compared to the Phantom Menace, maybe a hundred years or so. Yeah. Um, so that means he's still in the, between like six and 700 something year range. Yeah. Something around there. Cause he, well, it, or maybe between seven and 800 because he's about 900 when he, mm-hmm. he gets to Dagobah. But, um, but yeah, like it's, he's, you know, a bit younger and uh, he's shown up a little bit in the comic books with the high Republic. Very, sparingly uh, and uh he's showed up in one of the uh the vr experiences as well when you're playing as a, a jedi padawan under the the guidance of yoda uh and together with yoda you have to uh you have to entrap uh like this sith artifact in a jedi temple that's broken loose and it's kind of uh, spewing out all this dark kind of Mm-hmm. twisty vine stuff and and uh these little demon creatures are kind of running around and it's it's kind of freaky but uh it was really neat and and uh threats that i guess we just naturally assume like oh the sith and the jedi like they're just endlessly in battle with each other and all that stuff yeah. but which you know, they- actually technically is the canon now because as snoke said as light rises so does dark to meet it so it means it's endless yeah. Yeah, and and I'm in that millennia that they don't reveal themselves to the Jedi, which also includes the High Republic era. Uh, the Sith are around; they're just hiding, right? Like they're just not tearing the galaxy apart, yeah. or, or and you know if they are killing Jedi, they're doing it in secret discreetly. and discreetly. Yeah, so they are out there, but uh, they're not exactly public info. And uh, you know they do have this vast history to them of being existent for thousands of years. So there's a lot of dark artifacts and like all this and that. And they um, actually, I, I'm actually currently going through the the audio. Uh, I forget the it's not audio book. It's the other one. But the it's audio the, drama. Yeah, with like the Dooku one. Yeah, Dooku Jedi Lost. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. and they're actually talking a lot about this specific thing of finding all these like Sith artifacts that are coming up and they're finding them. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's kind of our third and final topic of, well, Mm. our third out of four topics. We can maybe skip the last one depending on how much time we've got. But um, that's the last thing I would need to bring up uh, as far as if if you're ready to move on from from the eclipse that is. Uh, Sure. Yeah, I mean, okay, I think right. we've, we've covered most of the, the main stuff here. We've covered it pretty well. Yeah. Trailer looks cool. We'll see where it goes. But I will say the trailers look really good for the Star Wars, uh, the, the, old, the Old Republic games. And then the game looked nothing like that. So, you know, wait, yes. wait to see gameplay trailer. We'll go from there. 
Exactly. And there's one small readout I'll just read before we wrap up that subject is um, on StarWars.com. They say, as the first video game to be set in the High Republic era, the multimedia initiative that launched with the publishing earlier this year, Star Wars Eclipse will feature an original story and unique characters, each on their own paths, abilities and roles to play in the tapestry of events that could alter the carefully balanced piece in the uncharted section of the Outer Rim. So... That kind of confirms where the story takes place. Um, Star Wars Eclipse will be intricately branching action adventure game that can be experienced in multiple ways, putting the destinies of an array of playable characters in your hands. Uh, your choices will be at the heart of the experience, as every decision can have a dramatic impact on the course of the story. Through these decisions, players will forge their own legend in the golden age of the Jedi. The Star Wars uh, Eclipse game is currently in the early stages of development at Quantic Dream Studios in Paris, France, and in Montreal, Canada. So, um, yeah, lots to look forward to there. And I guess we might see this game come out in a year or two, I would yeah, imagine. So, so this is very early then. I assumed with the trailer we were going to get it sometime next year, for like first quarter, second quarter. Yeah. But it sounds like maybe late next year to the following year. Yeah, probably. That's my, yeah. Then I think the next big Star Wars game is going to be Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. That'll be that'll be the next big, big title. Uh, you know, Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga is like it's like tomorrow. It's always coming, but it, it never you never actually get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. With that, um, let's move on to uh, our third topic of the day, the Bogan Collection. So. You mentioned you're finally listening to the audio drama, Dooku Jedi mm-hmm. Lost, which is amazing. And I recommend it to anyone who likes the character of Dooku and, and wants to read a story that takes place before The Phantom Menace. Yep. Um, but uh, it sheds a lot of light into Dooku and how he fell from the Jedi Order. Yeah. And it also really, this is what I was really surprised by, it really builds his relationship with Saifo Diaz. Yes. Yeah. That, makes, and that's a huge thing. Yeah. yeah and that makes the. What happens later, as we find out in the Clone Wars, this is a spoiler, I feel bad for you, but when we find out that <laughs> Sifo Diaz was used to build the clone army, he was like betrayed and everything, that makes that betrayal like way deeper. Yeah, like much more tragic. As it, that was Dooku's only friend. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's very, very, very Sith-like to, to do something like that. Um so the you mentioned that um, in this in this book because uh, I've also read it as well. It was just a little while ago, but uh, yeah, there is a very uh, a very clear kind of storyline that's woven into his story. Uh, is he kind of befriends? Uh, is it Sifo-Dyas's master that has this obsession with Sith yeah. artifacts? Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, so in the story, uh, there's a, there's a character. Uh, I believe her her name is uh, uh, is it Leanne. Costana or something? Costana sounds right. They don't use her first yeah. name very often. Lene, Lene Costana or something? Yeah. So uh, she has this, she's a Jedi who has an obsession about uh, Sith artifacts and having to collect these Sith artifacts to study them in, in hopes that they give insight for the Jedi to take as guidance in the event that the Sith do in fact return to the galaxy and that they'll have a better chance of fighting the Sith again once they come back. So that's her belief. But the other Jedi don't believe her and they think she's nuts because they think the Sith are gone. They're extinct. They've been away for a thousand years. If you think about a thousand years, like right now, a thousand years ago, that was a long 
time ago, man. Like, I like the world was like a very different place a thousand yeah, was, years ago. Like here been like the medieval dark ages. Yeah, like yeah. Even uh, is that is that one? Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, like yeah. pretty much right in the square of medieval times, I guess. Yeah, because like we started like rebuilding technology, like closer to where we are now, around like the fourteen hundred era, right? Yeah. So everything prior to that was super, super basic. Right. And, um, you know, I guess you can look up timemaps.com world 1000 BCE to see kind of, you know, what, what was going on around, around different parts of the world and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, this is, it's, it's a very different time, uh, of course on, on our planet. And uh, you can just imagine the, the Star Wars galaxy as well, which is also a very different place in, in, uh, in respects. Uh, so, Thousand years does a long time, and and the Jedi being all kind of like oh you know all posh and everything, they think like yeah there's no way they're going to come back, and yet this uh, this uh, character uh, Sifo-Dyas's master Kastana, she keeps having these these visions that like we need to prepare for this this inevitable day that the Sith return and you know we have to know how to defeat them again, so she goes around collecting all these artifacts and bringing them back to the Jedi Temple and. Uh, there's something that comes out of this, which is referenced a few times through Star Wars. It's called the Bogan Collection. And Bogan is a word for evil, very similar to how Ashla is the word for good. And uh, as we know from Star Wars Rebels, the Bendu is known as the middle, the center mm-hmm. point. So the Bogan What's Collection funny is... That actually is a point in the, the Dooku Jedi Lost story where they... It's actually those three characters specifically, Costana, Dooku, and Saifo Diaz. They all have to like link arms to like strengthen themselves in the force. And they just start mm-hmm. chanting the light, the dark, and like the middle or whatever, which is interesting. I wasn't expecting and then I think they just call it the balance. So hmm. it's light, dark, and balance. But like it's interesting that they specifically call out balance. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the Bogan Collection is also known as the Archive of Forbidden Artifacts. Uh, it's a hidden vault of uh, forbidden artifacts associated with the dark side of the Force within the archives of the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Despite being accessible to only specific members of the Jedi Order, several Jedi, including uh, Clias Teradine, who's a Jedi from the High Republic era, uh, Lene Costana, known as, you know, Sifo-Dyas' master. Uh, Eula Braylon, who's, uh, I believe, um, a Jedi... She, during the Jedi... No, she she shows up in, in Dooku Jedi Lost as well. Yeah, recognize um, her name. Uh, Dooku himself and sifo of course, broke... Uh, well, those two characters at the very end break into the vault at one point. Yeah, they and find it. They didn't know it was there. But they, they didn't knew, know it was there, yeah. Yeah, Tuku figures, he realizes that the room has an artificial wall, and so they kind of sneak in to see what it is, and they find it. Yeah, so based on those names, that's like very few people. That's like, it, during Dooku Jedi Lost, there's like, that's like two Jedi out of all of them that have access. And then during the High Republic, there's only been like confirmed as like one or two in the higher mm. public as well. So there's very few Jedi at a time that really have access to that stuff. Access. That's the keyword though. Others are yeah. aware of it. Like Yoda is very aware of that of his yeah. existence and knows where it is and how to get there and how to get in. And he doesn't even so. touch that stuff. Like Yoda just like, I'm sure Yoda could have access if he wanted to, but he just doesn't want to even touch that side mm. of that. You know, he doesn't want to even go near that business. Uh, so 
uh, as uh, the, after the fall of the Republic, Darth Sidious obviously inherits this Bogan collection when he becomes palp- when he becomes emperor and and you know gets all these evil artifacts again and some of them even pop up later in some of the comics and stories and stuff. Uh, but uh, there was a little readout on Insider number one ninety nine, which is actually one of the more recent ish issues. And uh, I just had to copy it down. I, I modified the text just a little bit to just speed it up a bit, but uh, I just had to read it because it was kind of interesting. So uh, once upon a time, Jedi Knights and council members had some strong differing opinions about how much, if any, attention should be paid to the history of the Sith. While some Jedi Masters sought to gain knowledge from Sith artifacts, others on the council deemed such quests to be dangerous or a waste of time. One council member, Eula Braylon, a seeker who searched the galaxy for force sensitive children to be trained at the Jedi temple questioned her fellow Jedi, uh, Lene Costana's interest in learning more about Sith artifacts. Uh, Lene Costana was a Jedi who rose to the rank of Jedi master at some point, uh, at some stage during her life, she became fascinated with locating and analyzing Sith artifacts in order to prepare for the inevitable return of the Sith order. Eula accused her of being obsessed with the Sith but Costana argued that reducing the Sith to a footnote in history might play directly into their hands, which, of course, eventually, of course, it did. <laughs> uh, until Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan encountered the mystery assailant on Tatooine, it was widely believed that the long-dormant Sith no longer existed. And despite testament to the contrary, council members including Kiadi Mundi and Mace Windu initially refused to believe the Sith had returned. Yoda, however, was more cautious. Despite previously believing the Sith to be in the past, he admitted the possibility of a return in his acknowledgement that the dark side was hard to see. As Grand Master of the Jedi Order, his opinion held great weight, and the Council set about the task of discovering the identity of the mysterious foe. Yet his acknowledgement of the threat did not result in the Jedi preparing for the eventual return of the enemy. Sith objects in the archive of forbidden artifacts remained hidden even from other Jedi. And the council kept their focus on the present in hope that the evils of the past would eventually would just stay there. So, uh, kind of an ignorant thing on their part, and eventually led to their, led to their downfall. But uh, archive of forbidden artifacts has some interesting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a while since I read that, but uh, do you remember any specific artifacts that popped up in the story that they encountered? Not off the top of my head. Um, I know when they first break in, I'm not sure what causes it, but it f- makes Dooku see like visions. Right. And then he, uh, lashes out and he almost like attacks. Oh, he, he, he sees some sort of like vision of a monster. And then he thinks it makes him think that Kostana is secretly a Sith herself. And then he fights her. Oh, Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, it's coming back to me now. Um, I think at one point there was some artifact. Uh, oh, and by the way, this is kind of an interesting fact as well. To get into this vault, uh, there's a, a unique force power. Well, you have to be very ma- like masterful with the force to even get in here because uh, the way that they've locked the door is uh, you have to move sand with the force up. It, it, the, it's a force power called shifting sand. And uh, it's, uh, I guess, sand in a door that you have to like manipulate the particles, the small particles with the force just to like open it, mm-hmm. which is kind of fascinating. So that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah, they lead to in the book, they allude to that uh, 
that Dooku was the only one that Sifo knew who would be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's also something something else that's kind of interesting uh, in this in this. Uh, uh, there, there are several artifacts in this room, but Dooku's attention is captured by a, a, a piece of metal, and he soon starts to hear this growl of a uh, a, tira, a, a tirataka, which is a creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ac- according to legend, it's a creature that was native to the planet of uh, Sereno, which is his homeworld, and it's basically a dragon, like it's a reptilian dragon. And tirataka is very like the the name, the way that they pronounce it in the story. You can totally tell that his name, Darth Tyrannus, is based on this creature's name, uh, like a hundred percent based on that uh, that that creature's name. So, or maybe I'm saying it wrong. It's Tyra Tyrataka, I think. Uh, that actually but, makes uh, sense because the only thing what we really had as fans to connect to that to that name was Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so this uh, this artifact like almost curses him for the rest of the the story because I don't know, maybe I hope I'm not spoiling for you a little bit, but, but he hears this growl occasionally as the story goes on. And um, that's just my assumption. It's never been confirmed that that's what it is. But, uh, but I, I imagine that that creature is the reason why he calls himself Darth Tyrannus later on. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of interesting artifacts that have showed up in the Star Wars stories so far. Uh, so we'll quickly kind of go over those those uh those items uh there was a couple things sith scrolls lightsabers helmets and more holocrons. Um, yeah holocrons uh some of these things have shown up in the high republic era and uh let's see i'm just kind of scanning through a bunch of bunch of stuff so at one point uh at one point we read a book called uh it was a high republic book i think it was called into the dark and it was mm-hmm. uh the the one that featured wreath wreath silas uh, and they they boarded so you find that, that space uh, station, right? Yeah, the Amaxine space station. Yeah, and they found these big statues. Yeah, that, that was the book that I thought had the most potential, and just dropped the ball. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So they they believe they found these big statues, like uh, a bunch of Jedi that get go aboard this thing, believing that this set of arcane statues were responsible for a disturbance in the force that they felt on the station. They bring those statues back to the Jedi Temple and store them in the Bogan collection. Meanwhile, um, meanwhile, these statues actually were where uh, Sith statue artifacts. They were actually keeping uh, a very particular plant species dormant. And when they removed those statues from the station and brought them back to the Bogan collection on Coruscant, these things come to life again. And uh, they're a, a, an antagonist in the higher public stories we've been reading called the Drengear. And uh, it was because of that event that they kind of come back to the galaxy again. And it was actually the Sith that stopped them uh, initially with these these statues. They did something in the Force, in the dark side of the Force. And yeah. they so felt think, the Force emanating from these objects. Mm-hmm. And they thought, think, oh, these are bad. But Yeah. But I think then we learned later was that the Sith created this plant species and then they were actually overpowered by their own creation and they had to erect those statues yeah. just to survive themselves. Yeah, it was something yeah, it was something it was like a, that for sure. Like a Dr. Yeah. Frankenstein sort of situation. Yeah, like their own creation turned against them, so mm-hmm. so they ended up having to stop them themselves kind of thing. And uh yeah. But uh, and they drank are these carnivorous plant like monsters, which I don't know. 
I thought they were going to be way scarier, but they end up talking and, and it's yeah. becoming less cool. <laughs> Agreed. They were just like these mindless monsters. Like it would have been way better. Monsters. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but one other thing to note is we do not see the Drengear in the in that trailer. So another reason to think it's in a different yeah. era. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that what we know from the higher public so far with the Drengear and the Nihil being the two antagonist things, uh, not a single clue as to where those things are in this cinematic trailer for Eclipse. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're right. I, I think it, yeah, it could probably be. Way it's got to be the those. tail end, I think. Tail end of the higher public. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would imagine. So, so, uh, so what else is in this, in this archive? Um, of course we mentioned the piece of metal that Duke becomes fixated with. And uh, I think at some point, believing he's in genuine danger, Duke uses the force to protect himself from this growl that he hears, destroys a number of objects and relics uh, in doing so, mm -hmm. and also injures Sifo-Dyas. And um, the two that's were unaware of how in. powerful... Yeah, that's when they break in together. And, and they, mm -hmm. they're completely unaware of how powerful the items within this collection can be. And they immediately learn why they're kind of hidden away from prying eyes. Uh, there's a very particular object that shows up in the Darth Vader comic book series, which uh, I forget which series this is. I think it might be the, uh, it might have been the Dark Lord of the Sith ones. Uh, but um, Sidious gifts uh, a mask to Vader at one point, which is uh, uh, the mask of a Sith Lord known as Darth Momin or Momin, uh, which is a Sith Lord that existed a long time ago. Darth Momin? Momin, M-O-M-I-N, <laughs> very funny. Uh, Darth Momin wore uh, an ominous mask with glowing red eyes. And uh, Momin is, he's like this creepy, creepy guy. Like he was like a this very disturbed child uh, when he was growing up. Uh, and he was known for creating sadistic sculptures that landed him in prison, like as like a younger man kind of thing. And uh, sometime after his imprisonment, he was approached by a woman named Darth Shah, who becomes his master. And eventually he betrays her, of course, as the Sith do, and uh, continued to learn the ways of the dark side. And after his time, the Jedi recovered his mask and put it in the Bogan collection, only to be gifted to Darth Vader centuries later, who realized that the mask was quite compelling. And uh, it could actually like call to people and, and possess those who actually don the mask and put it on them. <laughs> and... Uh, it's like this whole kind of side storyline that happens. Uh, the Vader comics are so good. But uh, yeah, the, the moment storyline is kind of fleshed out a little bit more as that, as that kind of plot goes on. And uh, it was kind of neat. I mean, seeing like the Sith of old kind of thing. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily know exactly when he takes place, but I think it's kind of in that rule of two Darth Bane, like post Darth yeah. Bane era. That's specifically uh, who I was going to bring up, actually, if there's any yeah. relics that pertain to Darth Bane. Well, we we do know from that Clone Wars episode that Yoda goes to Morband mm -hmm. and there's uh, yeah. the the, the Sith spirit of or yeah of of Darth Bane and his tomb yeah and that I think is the only thing that kind there's of no has, relics then no I don't think anything directly related to him I don't think they have any relics but uh, <laughs> that's and that's all yeah. the information I have right now about the Bowman yes, collection there's the the but. sheet. The uh, tanned leather hide of Darth Bane's face tattoos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so that's the Bogan collection, and and um, I don't know. I think it's really, really neat that the Jedi have this 
this collection of like, you know, it's almost like going to the basement of a Catholic church and finding all these like, you know, demonic like things that they've just stashed down there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the other thing about this is uh, we know from the unproduced Clone Wars episodes that Dave talked about at one of the celebrations. uh, And uh, it's also been canonized in the Star Wars Tarkin book uh, that the Jedi temple is actually built on top of a ruined Sith temple that was there before the Jedi temple ever was. So like, the entire the entire story has this like this paradigm shift like oh wow like the foundation of the jedi is built atop darkness like it's yeah. just this crazy kind of it's the, like, it's what the heck? Concept. Like, it's a crazy think, concept yeah cuz i think uh, i'm not sure if it was he who explained the idea or for somewhere else but i think it was their hopes were by building it there they would purify the grounds Right. Yeah. And, and in actual fact, like it, it, it might, it might in fact do that exact, exact thing because, you know, but the fact that when the, when the Sith kind of rise again, the influence is that much stronger. And, you know, Yoda sitting on his chair going like, yeah, it's so hard to see things right now. Like, like the darkness is growing around us and blinding us literally mm-hmm. like in the forest, like we can't see anything. I'm sure if they just took a hike to, like Tython or something for a day, maybe they might have a better, you know, meditation experience. But uh, I, I think it's it's just fascinating that the Jedi have the audacity to kind of think like, let's just cover it up. You know, it's like yeah. it's like taking this bad graffiti and then spray painting a different color on top, like white or something like that. And then the rain falls and time goes by and that layer just wears away and you start to see those inner colors, right? Like mm-hmm. the things that the were before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it starts to really kind of affect what you see on top, and and it's very similar to how the story of the the downfall of the Jedi kind of works out. Is like their ambition and and their whole narrative kind of just bites them in the butt at the end of the day because you know they thought that the Sith would never return. They turned a blind eye. They didn't think they would come back, and they didn't do anything to prepare for it. And then boom, you know. They said dead. That's <laughs> so, right. True. Yeah. It's, like, it's a crazy you, story. You need to be ever vigilant against like tyranny and stuff like that, right? So it's like yeah. let your guard down. That's when they like it's there lurking in the shadows, waiting to strike. It's oh, exactly yeah. it took the Sith a thousand years, but they did it, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And but they can only hold on to it for about twenty, so <laughs> <laughs> right and, and you know and the sith lord the, or this this jedi master that um you know sifo-dyas's master who who's got this obsession with these things um you know she she might be uh you know she might not be crazy after all you know like and i don't think the answer to defeating the sith is in these sith relics but she's not wrong about the fact that they could come back and we can't be ignorant to mm-hmm. to that right yeah for so, sure yeah, it's it's a cool story, and I don't know the Bogan collection is just nothing that ever gets mentioned in the films, and 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 you know, so uh, seeing that it's popping up again in the higher public and all that, and uh, recent stories like Dooku Jedi Lost and all that, it's definitely worth something worth talking about and keeping in mind as we go forward. Uh, all these Sith artifacts that the Jedi find, like they might end up in the Bogan collection. So, just fun facts. <laughs> I think it's something that's going to start showing up more and more. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely feels that way. Um, 
but uh man we're running short on time so i don't know if there's we can we can always talk about this galactic star cruiser stuff another time uh but uh is there anything last minute you wanted to uh bring up before uh, we uh send it off in a light speed just I, I will say i'm still very surprised that the trailer was so high quality and that the game is two years away <laughs> i felt like it means it was just around the corner yeah so that just comes as a surprise to me i i know i know when it comes to cinematic trailers it can be very misleading because i remember seeing the first cinematic trailer for the older public and then playing the game yeah um, i'm not a big mmo guy like i don't really have the whole a whole lot of patience for it but uh it's you know and some people just absolutely love that game and and you know it's looks fi- like visually nothing like the cinematic it's like a, trailers yeah, it's like a cartoon of the trailer <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean uh i'm just holding out hope that being such a realistic looking at their other games which have a very impressive graphics mm-hmm. you know quality to it like i really hope they really push the bar with this game uh I think it might that's not the hope look- yeah, that's the hope, right? Like, like it might not look exactly like the cinematic trailer, but if it if it gets close, I'm going to be happy. If the gameplay is as simple as we've been led to believe, then to me the graphics seem more plausible, especially yeah. when yep. we're seeing I feel like we're seeing games come out that are that level of graphics now anyway, so it wouldn't be that hard to believe. Right. Right, yeah. And and uh, you know, if this game really is being designed for next-gen consoles, it'll be this company's first uh for the next-gen consoles. Uh, so, you know, that could, we could really be seeing something as them taking advantage of, uh, this new wave of technology and being like, oh, wow, we can make this thing 4k and all this and that. And, and, you know, yeah, it's probably going to look absolutely stunning. So yeah, I gotta uh, say, I'm excited to play this game and 4k on my Nintendo switch. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> absolutely all right. that's right <laughs> alright man well uh, I guess we'll catch you in the next episode sounds good see you there and thank you guys at home for doing your uh, your uh, well the favors to us by sharing the show with a friend it really helps us out a lot and uh, you know we do see the uh, the listener count growing very slowly uh, but we really do appreciate the help in sharing this show with your friends Letting them know Star Wars Escape Pod is a podcast for them, and uh, you know something, something just to entertain them on the drive to work or whatever. If they if they want to discover a little more about Star Wars and uh, a little more in depth experience, trying to break down all these trailers and speculating about stuff in the future and and reviewing stuff that comes out and all that stuff. I mean, I, you know, it's it's great, and uh, you know, we love talking about Star Wars, and and uh, we'd love to start making episodes geared for. Uh, slightly newer fans in the future doing episodes that are kind of more more dumbed down a little bit so to speak uh you know more kind of entry level stuff uh i know we've had our what happened episodes which have been great great ways to review star wars characters in a full arc length uh uh, narrative and uh, we'd love to keep doing stuff like that but uh more just kind of basic things about the movies and and the stuff the mainstream stuff that maybe more common viewers might take a look at so if you guys have any recommendations to subjects and topics uh that maybe we can refer to you uh from a previous episode we've done or even something we haven't done yet that you want us to to cover shoot us an email twitter 
or tweet, <laughs> or uh, join the Discord, send us a message there. Uh, lots of options. May the force be with you guys, and we'll see you in the next episode.